woman, all of us. My name is Alice, and I'm a grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Hi, family. I'm so glad to be here. There are a couple things I want to do and get things, some things out of the way. The first thing that I want to do is, is thank the committee and thank Ali. Um, you know, there, there are people who speak to us, and different people speak to different people, and he speaks to me. There's a way that he vibrates, um, a love. Um, a godliness, a connection to the source that really calls out to me. And so I want to thank you and I want to say how honored and humbled I am to, to be invited to be a part of this. Thank you. I also want to thank the committee. I mean, honest to God, I have no idea why people invite me to speak. I'm always shocked by it. When I'm done, maybe you'll be asking yourself the same question, but <laughs> I'm here now, so let's just keep going. Um, I want to start the traditional way, right? My sobriety date is May 21st, 1987. And um, I came into Alcoholics Anonymous at 26 years old. If you know anything about the demographics of Alcoholics Anonymous in Canada and the U.S., you know that it is a pre predominantly older, predominantly male, predominantly white organization. And so I come in as a young black woman, and I'm like, oh, boy. Like, as, you know, like, oh, boy. And... Um, I was embraced and I was loved and I was carried. And so my sobriety date is really not due to me as much as it's due to the fellowship of the spirit. It's due to getting the kind of guidance and support that I needed to make it through the tough times. So um, the first thing that I want to tell you is that I believe in miracles because I'm a miracle. I don't look like my story. I, you know, I think I look really cute tonight, right? I don't look like my story. <laughs> People that know me know I have like curated outfits, right? I don't, I don't look like my story, right? And, and that's what happens when we stick around. That we transcend who we've been. We transcend the mistakes that we've made. And in fact, we learn that we're not the mistakes that we've made. We're not the worst thing that we ever did. We learn who we really are and how God uses whatever God you believe in, Odin, the Orisha, like whatever you believe in, that power, that creator uses those things. And what I've learned in Alcoholics Anonymous is that nothing ever happened to me. Everything has happened for me. And the work that is mine, the work that I have to do, is to figure out how to turn that thing that happened to my benefit, to the benefit of God, to being useful to others, so that I can use it to carry a message to somebody else that comes to Alcoholics Anonymous like I came here with my soul on fire, full of despair and full of hopelessness. You know, drowning in suicide ideation. Um, and so I, I want to just start with that, that each of us is a miracle. I really, really believe that in the universe of alcoholics, the vast majority of alcoholics will never figure out that alcohol is their problem. Go to any skid row, go to any place where they're really, really down and out, low-bottom drunks, and you ask them what the problem is, and they'll tell you, right? My wife cheated on me, I lost my job, my mother abandoned me, I was molested, right? they they got a bunch of problems. And they won't ever say alcohol. And those of us that are alcoholics that figure out that alcohol is a problem, what 
a rare group we are. That's why our job is to carry the message so that people understand at least what the problem is. Those of us that figure out that we're alcoholics never find Alcoholics Anonymous. Some of us find Alcoholics Anonymous and don't find the message, the solution of recovery in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. There really is a way up and a way out. And, and you're going to have a beautiful weekend with incredible speakers. You know, I can't, I don't know how I'm going to do, but incredible speakers that are going to talk to you about the way up and the way out, that are going to walk you through the steps as outlined in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous so that you understand not only that you're here tonight, you are a miracle, but that you can actually be a miracle maker. You can be a joy maker. You can be the person that is the lifeline for someone else. So um, here's my goal tonight. My goal is to demonstrate the incredible love and grace that I have been given and to help you see maybe a little bit more than you see now the incredible love and grace that you are living in. Nobody gets to Alcoholics Anonymous on the wings of victory, right? Put your hand up if you got here on a good day. I want to meet you. Put your hand up if things were swinging your way, right? Like, oh, my God, I had lots of money. Um, my career was great. My, my relationships were fabulous. People respected and loved me. I, I was the pillar of my community. Put your hand up if that was true for you. And then you thought, you know what? It'd be even better if I stopped drinking. Like, who? who? I never met that person, right? So if we don't get here on the wings of victory, right, we don't get here on a good day, then we get here broken. You know, and, and, and what I've learned is that, you know, this is going to sound shocking. Drunks drink. Drunks drink. And so when I'm in relationship with someone and they're a drunk and they drink, I'm not mad at them. I'm not judging the person in the back of the room who, like, you know, maybe a shower would be a good idea, right? I'm not judging that person because what I do understand is but for the loving grace of the God that I understand, the creator of the universe that I live in, that that could be me. And that because someone reached out to me, because somebody gave me, you know, I don't know about in Canada, but in the U.S. we have cheap cookies at the meetings. Cheap cookies and bad coffee, right, saved my life. So I hope that I can demonstrate. So the thing I want, I want to come back to again and again is how I don't look like the story. So let me start with this. You know, I'm born and raised in New York City. I'm born in 1960, November 30th, 1960, and my mother can't care for me. I used to tell this story about how um, my mother abandoned me. And I stopped telling that story because that's a victim story. And victims don't recover. As long as the problems that you have right now today, drunk or sober, are somebody else's, man, you're in trouble. That's been my experience. Until I can see what I did to put myself in a position to be harmed, what I did to contribute to the situation, I'm, how do I ever fix it? I can't control other people. Here's the truth. If you're here like I'm here, I couldn't control what I put in my mouth. That's a humbling reality. I couldn't stop bending my own elbow. Right? And so how can I possibly control someone else? I've got to look for me. Where am I? You know, it, it's, it's so funny because what I had this traumatic experience happen to me. T Teresa and Ali know this um, a couple years ago. I went, to, um, I went to an event and somebody talked to me in a way that was, um, you know, justifiable anger could have been in play. Right? But 
I had to ask myself, not why am I disturbed, but why am I disturbable? And um, some of my friends from the fellowship bought me a little bag that says, why am I disturbable, right? Because the things that happen to me that hurt me, that bring me pain, are often the invitations into spiritual growth. They're often, you know, my friend Brenda Jay calls them spiritual sandpaper, right? They're often the invitation into growth. So it doesn't matter what someone does that disturbs me. What matters is why I'm disturbable. I'm going to just jump around because that's the talk I got for you tonight. You know, if you come up to me and you tell me that I'm fat, I'm probably going to feel a way about that. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm going to, like, eat a little lighter. I might break down and take a walk. I mean, I doubt that, but it could happen. <laughs> but I'm going to feel a way, right? But if you come up to me and you tell me I'm stupid, I'm not going to feel a way about that because I don't have any fear that I'm stupid. So it's not what someone does. It's how I respond to it. It doesn't matter why I'm disturbed. It matters why I'm disturbable. And that is the basis from which I try to live my life. Not looking outside, but looking inside. When we say that this is an inside job, the connection to God I found inside. The truth about the situation I'm in, I find inside. And so I want to talk about how I don't look like my story and how I believe that I'm a miracle and I believe that you're a miracle and I believe that my job is to actually do what I promised in the third step, right? What did I promise? I promised if God removed my, my, my difficulties that I would bear witness to those I could help. That's my responsibility is to bear witness. So I'm going to read off of page 164, right? the very last paragraph on 164. And if you're in a meeting and you're at a Fellowship of the Spirit meeting and you don't have your book, I just don't know what to say to you. I'm sorry about that. Um, but I have my book. I always have a book. Um, I really do. I, I always have a book. I believe in having a book because they answer to all my problems in the book. And when you get on my nerves, which, you know, happens all the time, I mean, really, I need to go to find the solution. So I'm going to read this last paragraph, and you feel free to read it with me. We ready? Let's try to do it together. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Like this is what we're invited into. And I believe that we're invited into the fellowship of the spirit because we're stronger together than we are individually. You know, on page 13 in the book, Bill talks about how there are going to be certain trials and low spots. Not maybe, certain trials and low spots. Dr. Bob on 181, at the end of Dr. Bob night. Dr. Bob's Nightmare talks about how he does service of others because it's an insurance, right? I need to pay forward because I don't see it coming. I can't see it coming, but oh, it's coming. Everybody gets a turn. Everybody gets knocked down. Everybody gets heartbroken. There'll be a health diagnosis. A loved one gets sick. You get fired. You lose all your money. In the side. I don't know. Something, but I promise you, stick around. Stick around. 
And how am I prepared to meet that? I'm prepared to meet it because I actually work a program and I have some spiritual tools that I know how to use. But also because I'm in the fellowship of the Spirit and I can call you and I can talk to you. Now here's the thing about calling me. Some of the people here will testify. Put your hand up if you can testify. Do not call me. Now when we're on Zoom, my number's in the little thing. 510-928-9907. Don't call me if you don't want the truth. Do not call me. If you're looking for someone to be like, oh, baby, that's so sad. I really feel bad. That's, oh, so sad. Not me. Don't call me, right? Because my experience is that's not helpful. That's not helpful to me. What I need to understand is what is the solution. And pity isn't a solution. So, um... The reason that I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous is because I have a first step problem. You know, and I'm not going to step on Chris's toes, right? I have a first step problem. He's going to tell you all about the first step problem. I'm bodily different than my fellows. I'm mentally ill. There's a voice in my head that sounds like me, and she's a liar, right? She's a liar. Oh, it's not your fault. Oh, right? She's a liar. I can't listen to her. And then I'm spiritually ill. I'm, I'm just spiritually ill. I really feel like at night, in the dark, there's nobody but me and God. is nothing going, nothing wrong in my life. And I think, you're not good enough. What? Do you see how cute I am? You're not, nobody's going to ever love you. Right? Because I'm spiritually disconnected from the power. And this path is about reconnection to the power, right? And reconnection to the power is a consciousness of the connection. I don't connect to God. I'm already connected to God. I have breath. Breath is evidence for me. Believe what you want to believe. Breath is evidence that the power is connected to me. I don't put breath in my body and without a violent act I can't even take breath away. Breath is evidence of my connection to the power. I am unconscious of it because what if I had to remember to breathe? Right? What if I had to be conscious? I'm not conscious of that. But my goal is to develop this consciousness and in developing this consciousness, I am then not only here, here's the deal, man, for me. I'm not just conscious of God. I become conscious of you. I become more empathetic and more compassionate, more considerate. That is not who I was when I got here. You know, when you read the spiritual experience in the back, right, the second appendices, it says I need a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. Right? Because there are three opportunities available to me in Alcoholics Anonymous at any moment, no matter how long I'm sober. Opportunity one, I can be abstinent. I just not drink. I have those days. Who has the I'm just not drinking days? I'm crazy as, you know what, right, right. I'm abstinent. The second opportunity available to me, I can be sober. Now, I think that abstinence is, you know, I can see the logo of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I see that triangle, but I'm not really bothering with you, right? But I think sober, the second opportunity is, you know, I'm maybe on one side of the triangle. Maybe I got some service. Ah, maybe I'm coming to some meetings, right? I'm, I'm on one or two sides. But really, the true opportunity for me in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, my friend Marty, I see you, Marty. My friend Marty calls it the club inside the club. The club inside. What? Yes. There's a club inside the club. And in that club, we're on all three sides of the triangle. We're living in recovery. I'm recovered. I'm recovered. You know, page 100. I'm not going to even turn. You can turn. I'm not going to turn. Each day, you and the new man must walk day by day. 
Day by day? What do you mean day by day? I can't only do it on Tuesdays. How about every leap year? No, day by day, every day. Every day. Where am I walking? The path of spiritual progress. If I could just, just a little better, just a little. Here's one of my spiritual practices. When we go places, I try to speak nicely to the people around me. Hi, beautiful. Hi, sweetheart. How are you? How's your day? Because I want to be a joy maker. I want to be a joy bringer. And I don't know what your day is like. Maybe I'm the only kind person all day. And if everybody was kind to you, then I want to join that crowd. That I want to live in the world in a way that demonstrates the miracle that God has performed in my life. I don't have to drink anymore. Ah, more than that. Back to page 100. I presently, say it with me, y'all, live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what my present circumstance. See, job or no job, relationship, no relationship, health, no health, money, no money, friends, and I don't matter. I get to be joyous and happy and free. Why? Because you've taught me how to use some simple spiritual tools. Now, you didn't use them for me. You laid them at my feet. I had to bend down and pick them up. And then I had to learn how to use them. When I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, the only tool I had was a hammer. Whoo! Yeah. Everything was a nail. And I've learned how to have, man, bam, bam, bam. That's right. It's so funny because we all come in in our own way. And we all have our own journey. And for a lot of people, the journey is, right, the, the book tells me the real problem is me. It's not a stop drinking program for me. I can only talk about me. It's not a stop drinking program for me. And the book says that over and over and over again. What I really love is 275, Keys of the Kingdom, right? Towards the end of, of, of uh, Sylvia's story, she says that, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous is not a program of recovery that can be finished and done with, right? It's a way of life. It's a design for living. And that it can, we can never outgrow the challenges contained in its principles. That, that there are countless dividends. What? Limitless expansion. If, which by the way is my favorite word in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, if I'm willing to do the work. Now, the thing that Odie was going to tell you in the introduction, thank you for not embarrassing me, Odie is that my favorite number of sponsees is zero. There it is. Why? Because the illness that I have is that I'm selfish, I'm self-centered, I'm self-seeking. And for me, I don't know about you, self-righteous. Oh, my God. It's like a opium, self-righteous. Oh, that I could judge you, that I could get up on a high horse. But here's the deal. You ready? The bigger the tree, the deeper the root. The more that I need to be self-righteous, the more that I need to be better than, the more I need to, the, the worse I feel about myself. It's like when people do things that disturb me. It's an invitation to see why I'm disturbable. When I'm judgmental, it's an opportunity to see, like, okay, what's really going on with you, baby girl? What's really going on? That all that God has given me, the incredible life that I've been given, to stand in judgment of another soul, to be unkind to another soul. I can't talk about you, but how dare I? For me, for me, for me. So I'm born and raised in New York City. I'm the, I'm the um, 
third of four girls. We're all five years apart. My mother was a sporting woman. She ran a house of ill repute. Talk among yourselves about what that means. Um, and so I grew up in what people call the life, right? I grew up around people who were hustlers. And when you grow up in that lifestyle and you grow up with that culture, you know, it's not a judgment. It's not a bad thing. My job is to get you before you get me. <laughs> Man, get you. That's my job. I'm raised like that. That it, it really, this is a dog-eat-dog dog world. I'm born and raised in New York City. Man, get them. Get them. And to move from that person to the person I am today, is, is it, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. You know, the book says when, when we're reading, working with others, it says, you know, we can go to any sort of place in the world because we're looking for what we can give, not what we can get. And that is the personality change that I think it's talking about in the spiritual experience. That I'm no longer on the hustle. I'm no longer in the what's in it for me. I'm no longer being nice to you because I think I'm going to get something from you. I don't want nothing. Like I live in abundance. But that's a miracle. Why, do I, why, why can I say that that's a miracle? Well... I took my first drink at four years old. It was a can of Schaefer beer. I'm, I'm with my mom. My mom has not been taking care of me. I've been living with her family, and she comes to get me. And at four, I must have been like, and who are these people? You know, and I'm there, and, and, and I'm alone with her. It's just me and her, and we're in the kitchen, and, and I, I remember this. She's drinking a can of Schaefer beer. I don't know. I'm four that you don't drink beer in the morning. I don't know that. And here's the other thing I don't know. I don't know Schaefer beer is cheap beer. I don't know, right? And so I say to her, because I want to fit in, spend some real, real, real time in the work in Alcoholics Anonymous and be an unsparing, unceasing self-examination. And what you'll find is amazing. I look back and I was like, wow, I just wanted her to love me. Guess what I want now? I just want to be loved. And if you get honest, that's what you want too. It's what we all want. And I ask if I can have some, and she thinks it's cute, and she says yes, and I take a sip, and she leaves me alone with the can of beer, and I finish the can of beer. Put your hand up if you'd have finished the can of beer. I'd have finished four years old, right? Man, towards the end of my drink, and one of my party tricks was that I could take a long neck to the neck and, like, empty it. Like, who, who needs air? Like, let's finish this, right? Like, the things that I was proud of, right? And so... By the time I'm eight, scotch seems like a good idea. My mother drinks Dewar's White Label and J&B, and so I start drinking Dewar's White Label and J&B. You know, she had so much power. She was the most powerful person in my world. She made grown men cry, a gift I've inherited. Grown men cry. Probably why I'm single, but okay, that's another topic. I'm working on it, so... She had all this power, but she needed what was in this glass. And I was like, well, I, I want some power. I want some power, too. And so I start drinking scotch at eight years old. I just want to say eight years old is the third grade. What were the other third graders doing, I wonder? I don't know what they were doing. I was drinking scotch. And then I, I just, this, this progression, by the time I'm 13, I have my first major drunk in a bar called the Tiger Lounge in Harlem on 7th Avenue and 115th Street. I go on on a hot August day with some friends. I mean, we were like unsupervised, just oh, the child you do not want your daughter to be, right? Like the nightmare child. We would literally wait until the adults went to sleep, and like 11 or 12, we'd get up and get dressed and go out because the bars in New York don't close till 4. Ha! Get it in, right? I mean, I'm in bars at 13, ordering, like getting it in, getting it in. 
So when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous at 26, I was done. I was done. You know, but the problem was that I got here and I had an idea about what an alcoholic was. So if you're new and you're here and you're wondering if you belong here, let me tell you the thing that the speaker said at a conference when I first got here that helped me decide. Because I still had my teeth, right? And I was like, I had two outfits. I mean, I was unemployed. I was unemployable and like it was all bad. But I was like, hey, because I grew up with seizure alcoholics. The women that I knew that were alcoholics, they were having So I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm going to just get a job and get a hairdo and it's going to be okay. And I went to this conference and a woman said, he listened carefully. If you're an alcoholic, you shouldn't drink. Well, obviously. She had a pause. And then she said, and if you're not an alcoholic, then not drinking should be easy. Well, that stopped me in my tracks, right? Man, I was struggling. I'd been struggling for months to put together 90 days. I went to therapy because, you know, I moved from New York to California, and that's what we do. We go to therapy. And so I got a therapist. And the therapist was smart enough not to tell me I was an alcoholic or think that I was. And she was just like, oh, that's so sad, your little tragic life. Oh, that's so sad. There's a meeting at Alcoholics Anonymous down the street, right? So I go to the meeting. And then she was nice. She was like, oh, yeah, and there's Al-Anon. So I go to both, right? And I think, like, I belong in Al-Anon, but the problem's really my drunk mother. I don't even, I live in California. She's in New York, but right, the problem's still her. Come on now. But I couldn't see that, right? I couldn't tell what was true from what was false. And so I go to the meeting and I'm like, oh my God, I feel so at home. Like these people like dumpster diving. I'm like, oh yeah, I feel right at home. Because these are the kind of people I grew up with. No, because you're one of us. So <laughs> I'm in the meeting and the guy says he has 10 years. He's picking up a 10 year coin. And I thought, well, you're a liar. Because when I got here, it was in. Nancy Reagan was in the White House and she had this campaign, like, just say no. And I was like, I know you got all the good cush at the White House. I just knew. I knew. Inconceivable to me that people weren't drinking. So the therapist says, just don't drink for 90 days. And if you drink, it's okay. Just start out your count all over again. And then she says the deadly thing. Pay attention to how long it takes. So when I got to the conference and the woman said, and if you're not an alcoholic, not drinking should be easy, it answered the question. Because I didn't want to belong to you. In fact, put your hand up if this is true. When you got to Alcoholics Anonymous and you found out you were a drunk, that you were an alcoholic of the hopeless variety, did you think it was the worst thing that had ever happened to you? Yeah, right? It turns out this is the best thing that ever happened to me. It turns out that it has allowed me to become a miracle that I can shine the light for other people. It's the best thing that ever happened. Why? Because it's a set of spiritual principles that I get to use. It's a fellowship of the spirit that I get to be connected to people that I know love me, that I believe know I love them, that I can call and tell them anything and not feel judged, that will help me solve any problem. You know, I um, booked this ticket before I knew I was going to be moving to Durham. Ah, I'm a little bit of a gypsy. And so I wasn't going to like blow off our seventh tradition money. So I was like, I'll drive from Durham to New York for this trip. I'm not buying another ticket. And my friend Melissa takes me in, lets me sleep on her couch for a week, right? Like I can go anywhere in the world and find some place to be. People will open their homes. They'll open their hearts. They'll, the way that we love each other in a world that is often not full of love. This is a sacred society. This is a special place. And how we treat each other matters now. 
It is not Wellness Anonymous. <laughs> it's not. It's not Wellness Anonymous. But it doesn't have to be. Because it doesn't matter why I'm disturbed. It matters why I'm disturbable. It doesn't matter what you do. It matters what I do. And I can't let how you act change who I am. I am who I am. And I have to be committed to the spiritual commitments that I've made to the power that I understand. I want to talk about... Um, I want to talk about the job that I think each of us have. You know, it is absolutely true that um, I don't want to speak. That's the truth. I don't want to sponsor. That's the truth. I don't want to answer when you call. That's the truth. I don't want to text you back when you text me. That's the truth. Because I am, as described on page 60, 162, I'm, that's who I am. I'm selfish, I'm self-seeking, I'm self-centered, and as I've already admitted, self-righteous. I would love to lay on the couch, Netflix, Hulu, Apple TV, Amazon Prime. Who here knows what I'm talking about, right? I just want to... I want to go to the store and buy cute outfits. I don't have any place to wear them, so thank you guys for this opportunity. I just want to do what I want to do, right? But here's the thing. I have to tell the truth, that doing what I wanted to do burnt my life to the ground. Doing what I wanted to do burnt my life to the ground. So what I've learned is that there are two ways for me to get to the power. One way for me to get to the power is through other people, serving you, answering the phone for you, taking you through the book, showing up and speaking, right? I, I, yeah, through other people, through service, through kindness, through shining the light that I have been given. It's not my light, the light that I've been given to shine it out in the world. That's one way for me to get a consciousness of my contact to God. But I'm usually too lazy to do that, right? Here's the other way I can get it. You ready? Pain. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? When I feel like my face has been dragged across gravel, oh, I know how to pray then, don't I? Oh, yeah. Right? Remember when you were drunk and you were at, like at the porcelain god? Who remembers the porcelain god, right? You press your face up against the porcelain god, and you're like, I'm never going to do this again, God, if you just write. That pain or people, pain or people, those for me have been the primary portals. And I don't like pain, so I answer. So I say yes when people call me. So I sponsor people. Man, war fever ran high. War fever ran high, right? Because... That's the option. And here's the thing. When you read the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it tells me I need three things, which, by the way, spell out who. I have to be willing. I have to be honest. Not just honest with you. How about the hard part? Honest with me. And I have to be open-minded. It does not say that I have to have a desire. There's no desire in the book. So I don't have to want to. I have to do it. Because a desire is like a, a feeling, like an inside thing. But what do I have to do? I have to be willing, and I have to be willing to take action. And that's what brings me to freedom, the paradox of it, right? Doing the thing I don't want to do gives me the thing I want to have. 
Doing the thing I don't want to do gives me the thing I want to have. Joy, freedom, peace. You know why I answer the phone sometimes? Because the man with no shoes needs to talk to the man with no feet. Bill talks about in his story, he's like, I go to the old hospital, I feel whoo, amazingly set back up on my feet. Right, because I'm not in the detox. I'm not with a wet brain. Like I sometimes what God is sending me is perspective. So I want to I wanna spend the rest of my time, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I want to spend the rest of my, t- my time talking about the ways that I think I have found value in serving you. Because the fellowship of the Spirit is only possible because we do work. Right? The fellowship of the Spirit isn't, I, I do not personally believe that love is a feeling. I believe that love is a verb. I believe that gratitude is a verb. That if I only have a feeling and I don't put any action behind it, like what is, that's delusional to me, to me. There are people who, you know, there are a number of meetings that are struggling for servants. There are a number of meetings that are right now today almost on the verge of folding because people won't show up and read or chair the meeting or be the the security person or... We will go to Starbucks and spend more money on a cup of coffee than we will put in the seventh tradition basket. Absolutely. When the basket comes by, we look at it like, well, why are you asking me for money? Right? That this thing that we have, this sacred, life-saving, life-giving thing that we have is because of the effort that we make, the self-sacrifice that we make that never ends. I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and, and again, I'm uh, nutty as a fruitcake. That's just the truth. You should know that. It's just what it is. I don't believe that if I wandered off and left you for a while, I would drink. I don't believe that. Now, I might be unkind. I might even be a little bit miserable. Well, maybe for you to be around. I'd probably be okay, but, like, it might not be fun for you. But I show up because somebody was here when I got here. Somebody had the light on for me when I got here. And my responsibility is to show up and say, it is possible to not only not drink, right? I'm abstinent. But to be sober and ultimately to be recovered. To be joy and, and, and filled with joy and filled with happiness and filled with a willingness, not a desire, a willingness to serve. You know, a couple of old-timers have told me, right, my, my, my peers, that I shouldn't tell the new people that I don't want to, like it's going to make them feel uncomfortable. Actually, nobody, I don't think I get any less phone calls because the people know I don't want to. I tell people I don't want to speak. They call me, hey, will you speak? I don't think you guys are phased by my desire or not desire, right? Because I always say yes, right, because I show up. And so I want to spend some time as a call to action, right, as we, you know, are about to kick off walking you beautifully through the steps, the the pathway to joy and freedom. Freedom isn't free. Freedom isn't free. Freedom isn't free. Freedom is a deal. I mean, it's a bargain, but it ain't free, right? So I want to spend some time talking about the ways that each of us can show up for each other the ways that we can deepen not only our recovery, but the recovery that is available to other people, people that are here and people that are not. 
And the reason I say that is because the sick and suffering alcoholic isn't just the person who's drinking. The sick and suffering alcoholic isn't just the person that's drinking. I know many, most, I, I would argue most of the people in Alcoholics Anonymous are not all the way in the club inside the club. And I don't have any judgment about that. I mean, my seat's not warm all the time. Like, I come in like, oh, well, I don't feel like it today, right? But at least I know that it's there. And my job is to make sure that other people know that it's there. So I want to talk about some of the things that I do that are part of my practice. Um, because it really is about what are you going to get from this weekend? What are you going to get from tonight and tomorrow that you're going to be able to take back out? We receive a blessing to be a blessing. That's what our friend Ralph says. We receive a blessing to be a blessing. I don't receive a blessing because I'm so worthy of a blessing, like God saw my cute outfit. No. I receive a blessing so that I can go and be a blessing for someone else, so that they can be a blessing for someone else. Like it's the best, you know, people say it's like a Ponzi scheme, right? It's the best pyramid scheme in the world. Like I help you and then you go help somebody and they help somebody and now, whoo, yeah, right? Like that's what we do here. But if you get the blessing and you don't share the blessing, it is, in fact, living in what I believe is the disease, the selfishness and the self-centeredness that brought me to my knees in the first place. In my experience, I mean, I've, I've done some stuff. My experience is I might not drink, but I might spend some money I don't have. I might sleep with some people I shouldn't sleep with. I might say some stuff I shouldn't say. I might open my mouth and you wish I had hit you. I might do some things. Right. Some people gamble. Some people. Right. That we do all kinds of things when we're seeking ease and comfort outside of ourselves in the way that I have found. I don't need ease and comfort outside myself is to be connected to the power in the way that I get connected to the power. I've already told you is either through my suffering takes me or my service of you takes me. And so I want to just spend the last few minutes talking about the way that I serve other people. So I want to start with the thing that is probably least obvious. You know, we talk a, long, a lot about being a living, breathing example of the big book, right? Who's heard that? We've all heard that, right? What does that mean? It doesn't mean like when I'm greeting people at the door. It means when I'm in the line in the supermarket, when I'm driving along. Like how am I with my neighbors? How am I on the holidays? I don't know about you and your family, but my family is a spiritual growth opportunity. Put your hand up if you have a spiritual... Do you have the spiritual growth opportunity family? Right. How am I treating the people that I disagree with, that maybe I'm even offended by, or the person in my family that's drunk? We'll come to Alcoholics Anonymous and treat a newcomer with love and compassion and tolerance and kindness, and then go to the Thanksgiving dinner and be like, that drunk? Right. Right? That my, nobody wants what I've got if what I got is miserable and stank. Nobody wants that. So how do I go out into the world beyond the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and shine the light that I've been given? How do I do that? What does that look like? So that's my first consideration. I'm going to have a series of them. What does it look like in your life for you to be a light? What does it look like? Here's the second consideration. Where in your life are you not a light that you could be a light? Because there's some place. You know that person at the cube next to you, if you still got one of those jobs where you go, you know the person at the cube? Oh, my God. You know them? They make you sick. 
that person. That is the person that God is directing me to shine my light onto. I don't need a lot of help from God to be nice to the person I already like. I need help being nice to the person that I don't like. That's where my growth is. My growth is there. And I'm either on the path of spiritual progress, page 100, or I'm not. There's not a middle of the road for me. I'm either on the path or I'm not. So the first consideration is how does that look? And the second place is where do I do it? Second example. So I think that the most accurate reflection of my current level of spiritual fitness is the business meeting. <laughs> right? It's the business meeting. It's absolutely the business meeting, right? Now, in the business meeting, I have learned to be kind, but like I'm like, <clears throat> right? Yeah. But progress is that I don't say it, right? Progress is that I hear everybody out, and I listen, and I write. And I really do feel a way, right, and I'm challenged spiritually because it's supposed to be an informed decision. But people with no information get the same vote I get. You just got here three days ago. You don't know the steps or the traditions. You didn't even know we had concepts, but we get the same vote. That's what it is. And how do I use the knowledge that I have, not to be annoyed that you don't have it, but to use it as an opportunity before the business meeting to actually be a part of growing people's understanding of the sacred society that we're in. And that means sometimes I have to make phone calls I don't want to make. That means that I have to be willing to invite people into discussions I don't want to be in. Because I'm responsible as the old timer in the room for making sure that I'm all boats lift when the tide comes up, right? That I'm sharing the information that I have. So my third consideration is, are you doing the work that you can do to support all the members of your group in making the best decisions in the interest of Alcoholics Anonymous? And that is some uncomfortable, spiritually fit, that's a challenge. That is a challenge. But that's what we're here for. That we're not in the fellowship of the spirit if there's not a, a fellowship to be in. And there's not a fellowship that has a spirit if there's high levels of dysfunction. And I am responsible, right? The responsibility, it is not somebody else's responsibility. I am responsible for that. And so the health of Alcoholics Anonymous is really about me and about what I'm willing to do before, during, and after the business meeting, just like how I act before, during, and after the regular meeting impacts the feeling of safety and welcome for all the people. Okay. That takes me to the next consideration, which is safety. So, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, we all know about, like, people get sexually harassed or people get stalked or people have, you know, I've been to meetings and people have called me everything short of you know what, right? Because I'm, I'm black and, you know, I've been, I've integrated a lot of meetings, right? Um, and so we think of that as safety, but I want to put out a couple of other considerations around safety that I think I'm responsible for in Alcoholics Anonymous. So in Alcoholics Anonymous, we all come in from different stations of life. It was really prophetic when they wrote the book, like we're cross-sections, because it wasn't really then. In 1938 and 19, they, it was the middle class, 
older white men. It was not across, right? But Bill did write all creeds and races and right, yay, Bill. So it really was prophetic. But but we are now a much more diverse group, not as diverse as we ought to be, but a much more diverse group. So the next consideration I have for you in terms of what our responsibility is and shining the light, being the blessing and helping other people be the miracle that you have become is who's missing from your group. Who's missing from your group? Who is missing from your group? If you live in a diverse community and your meeting is not diverse, why not? Why not? Do people feel welcome? Do they feel comfortable? Do they feel greeted? Do they feel right? People with different, not only racial backgrounds, sexual orientation, sexual identity, people had a whole fit about people changing in the prison. What do you care? What do you, what, really? This is a big tent, big tent, people, big tent. But what about the people who come to the meeting and you're like, oh, God, they didn't ask them to read. They don't read well. What, what about those people? Do we make people who struggle with literacy feel bad? Because thank God you're here. I don't care how long it takes you to read how it works. I got all, we're going to be here anyhow. Just take your time, baby. Right? That how do I make people feel? Am I in the meeting itself creating this welcome warm, inclusive space, because who's responsible for that? I am, especially if you've got any time. But it really doesn't matter. Be here and be two days. Greet the person with one day. And let everybody that comes into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous know you are welcome here. There's a seat for you here. The miracle can happen for you. The other thing about this, how about the chronic relapsers, right? Anybody here who's had multiple dates, when you come in, you already feel bad about drinking. You already are embarrassed. You already think, right, your spiritual malady is in full play about how you're a piece of you-know-what, right? I don't need to say anything to you about that. In fact, I should tell you, welcome back. I'm glad I've been praying for you. Because we need to make the people who relapse feel safe, too. And that's my job in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, if you've been around a while, it's easy to think like, oh, it's easy to do. Well, I mean, it's easy for me, but maybe it's not easy for you. And I'm not in a position to judge that. But what am I doing to be the fellowship of the spirit light? How am I helping people who don't feel welcome feel welcome? If this is soapboxy, I'm sorry. This is where I'm at tonight. The other thing that I want to put out for you, just in terms of what we can do to be a miracle, I want to tell this quick story. So I, um, I have a piece of property in California, and there were a lot of rains, and there was a cyclone. And so tiles blew off the roof, and there was water in the basement, and I get a contractor, and, you know, it's cost of money I don't really have. But, okay. And, um, you know, I'm crazy, so I get a wet vac. How, you cannot vacuum up water that is flowing in, baby. It's like... <laughs> Being at the beach with a mop, right? But, you know, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. So I get a contractor, and I figure out what needs to be done. I go buy all the supplies. And the tenant doesn't want to let the contractor in when they're not there. And the tenant doesn't want me to be there when the contractor's there. And the tenant, when I say, hey, well, the contractor can come, thank you, on, on this date, they say, well, I'm not available. I have tickets to go to a football game. And I'm seething. I'm seething. I'm seething. 
and I call somebody and I say, I'm really mad and here's all the reasons, help me see it. And they were like, which part of it? And I'm like, all of it. And then, <laughs> ouch, <laughs> here it is. And this is what I, I want to offer you. When I'm standing in a blessing, I own a house. I'm standing in a blessing. I can hire a contractor. I'm standing in a blessing. I can buy supplies. I'm standing in, I'm standing in a, I am vibrating the blessings of God that I understand. How am I going to be mad at the person who ha is renting a basement apartment from me? Who, what? How am I? Because of course I get judgmental. Man, I got a horse. I carry it with me. I jump up on it. It's a high horse, right? <laughs> I do. This a couple months ago. I do. And it was a beautiful lesson for me about what it means to be a living, breathing example of the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. How do I treat people who act in ways that I don't appreciate and I don't understand that are interfering with my vision of the world and how things should happen? When I actually am in the p position of being blessed, in the position of being in abundance, that my job when I'm given these things is not to judge other people, is not to organize life according to me and my desires. My job is to shine the light on other people. So, okay, you can't do it because you've got to go to the baseball, the football game. See, I don't even know what sport. Whatever. <laughs> How do I make this work for you? How do I take away my judgment? How do I take away my ego? How do I take, How do I get out of the way? How do I get out of the way? And I promise you there are situations now or soon in your future, in your life, where people are going to do things that don't make sense to you. That they're going to move in ways that you don't like, that you don't think make sense. And I would invite you into remembering that the fellowship of the Spirit isn't just inside Alcoholics Anonymous. The fellowship of the Spirit is what I take with me out into the world. It's how I vibrate with the other souls. And if, in fact, I've been pulled back from the gates of hell, and I want to go out, as I promised to do, in that prayer in three, that I don't close until the amen in seven, where I give God all of me, and what I want to do is bear witness. The witness that I bear is that I'm kind when it's difficult that I am understanding when I don't make no sense to me. That I'm inviting people into feeling the love and the joy that I have for the blessings that I've been given, even when I don't want to. Because this isn't a program of desire. It's a program of willingness, of open-mindedness and honesty. It's a program of action. And what I have to do in order to enliven this concept of the fellowship of the Spirit, of carrying the message, of bearing witness, is I have to do a bunch of things I don't want to. But thank God it's not about me today. Thank God I am constantly reminded that I'm just a small little speck of dust, that there's this big, beautiful, incredible universe and that all I can do while I'm here is the best that I can do to shine the light for other people. So I hope that that was useful. I hope that that was helpful. I want to just, again, thank you guys. I love you, Ali, for allowing this honor.